I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. Today, uh, we're done with Thanksgiving. You are. We aren't. Because we're recording this before Thanksgiving. It's a limbo thing. Whereas we exist in a pre-Thanksgiving, pre-Black Friday world. And the release of the show exists in a post-Thanksgiving, post-Black Friday world. It's really trippy. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, Black Friday. Talk about car parts. Consumption. Capitalism. Because who doesn't like car parts, first of all? It's like, and... (laughs) My wife at various times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you just have to buy, like, bike parts for the kids. Well, you at least have to convince her it's for the kids. Yeah, I mean, when, I, when I'm when i ordering, you know, like 11 new tires at a time from some dude in California, and she's like, each motorcycle has two tires, and you ordered 11, and none of that makes sense. <laughs> right. And then I have to justify that, and yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I want to get the self-confession out of the way before... Um, before we get into it, I like to spend money on car parts. It's a spiritual gift of mine. I'm very good at it. Um, I'm great at researching and finding the best parts. I'm great at spending other people's money. So if you need help picking out parts for your car, tell me how much money I have to spend of yours and, uh, give me a few weeks and I will definitely tell you what to buy <laughs> does this does this tipple tickle your dopamine respect re- receptors for like hunting i mean are you like out pursuing on the plains of africa and you're like which wildebeest is the wildebeest is I mean, that i mean maybe um it could just be a superiority thing too it's like you know the whole intellectual pursuit i will find the the most truth the most oh yeah that's thing. that's true you you can actually turn shopping into an intellectual exercise whereas oh i do it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a full-on philosopher's search for perfection thing yeah yeah that's deep and weird Good so job. thanks thanks yeah i've already started my off-season process i have parts on the way as we speak um because part of it is like Race cars need parts. Um, yeah. Parts on bikes and cars wear out. And then you, if you can't manufacture, like if you don't have a manufacturing facility in your garage, you probably need to pay somebody who does that kind of thing. And so we firmly believe <laughs> that the people who make good quality parts and charge a reasonable amount of money that they can stay in business, take care of their families. That is a that is a necessary and good thing. And and it's and everybody's exploiting their friends so that they can go racing. Yeah. 
exploiting. <laughs> I don't want to say exploiting. It's a relationship for yeah. sure. And the whole marketing. I am diligent on Facebook that every, literally every time I see an ad, I click the hide ad, hide all ads from this. I'm diligent that it's like Facebook doesn't know what to sell me. So you want to buy things, but you don't want people to sell them to you? No. Yes, that is correct. I want to find, basically, I want to figure out what I need. I don't want somebody to tell me what they think I need. That's that's the difference to me. I think that's only because that's a power thing on your part. Or that, that's my. I mean, you you might not be wrong, but at the same time, to me, like when somebody, especially Facebook ads, like they're so they can be targeted through the algorithm and stuff, but it's like it doesn't seek a relationship with you. It's just seeking to take your money. That's why I hate television ads. They're this blanket thing. It's to everybody. It's like, hey, you seem like the kind of person who might like this. Da 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 da. Give me your money and I will give you said product. And it's like I don't I don't want that. You don't know me. You don't know what I need. You don't know what I value. All right, but to to be the our our anti-consumptive uh, anarchist person here right now, my argument is is going to be that the majority of the racing parts industry is completely unnecessary and exists only to to complicate our lives and sell us stuff so that other people can go racing. Not only that, but I think that industry and that growth and that all that thing drives the rule book into making rule sets that make it so that needs to happen. And and my mm, argument for the, the change in that sort of thing is if I go back to the 80s and I look at showroom stock racing, which some people would argue like <laughs> the cars were crap and we all should have died. But maybe you... You had like super competitive pro level racing where people were literally taking cars from the dealer, putting bolt and roll cages over top of the carpet and doing wheel to wheel racing. Can't be anything that would go wrong with that. No, but, but the racing was good. Yeah. And we want, and, and I think that, that since that time, Racing has turned into less of a of a competition and more of a consumptive sport where we the the racing industry exists to get us to spend our money on racing so that it feeds this giant money loop thing. And at that time the money wasn't going into like consumption of parts and all that stuff. It was more going into like smuggling drugs and <sighs> Lamborghinis and and promoting events and all the other stuff that made racing in the eighties great. So you um, you would have rather have let me I'm gonna restate this for prosperity. <laughs> you would rather have drug smuggling than capitalism. I'm just saying. Although there was a, to, to be honest, drug smuggling certainly is capitalistic. <laughs> it is. It's just it's just outside the bounds. I'm just saying there's a time when. We were worried less about who was importing what Chinese wings or what weird 
big brake kits or who we could get us to make brake pads. And we were just taking cars and we were racing them and probably doing lots of drugs after the event and wearing weird skin tight t-shirts and, and I'm not sure the change is all for the better. And, and I think like, like everything else, and we could, you know, we could compare that with, with skateboarding or motorcycles or on and on and on. And, and so the activities themselves have been, have become more about the consumption related to the activity than performing the activity itself. And I think racing is, is definitely in that. It's more about how you have purchased things to perform the activity than the activity. And I think Facebook, Instagram would bear that out because people yeah. who have like actual race cars have way more posts about, I did this to my car. This is my build. This is all these things that I did. But the actual racing is a much smaller part of their social media presence. They're more concerned about the consumptive part of racing than the act of racing. And I think that's, I think this certainly extends well past racing. It's like any hobby. Yeah. Is this mode of being, of selling, being sold, is it's everywhere. It's pervasive in our culture to the point where, to be honest, like, I don't even think most of us realize when it's happening all the time because it's just the water we swim in and we have no idea what wet feels like when we're just bathed in it constantly. Yeah. And I think, well, I think the thing is people, a lot of people think that racers are different because we race cars. Right. So no, we're actually doing a thing. Yeah. And I don't think we are different. I don't, I don't think we live in a different world. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I don't. And I, I mean, part of that is sad to me, um, but part of that is also American culture. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hard baked, especially I think in our culture. But I don't think it's necessarily unique. the The volume may be turned up in America, but I don't think it's necessarily unique to American culture. No, if you watch the the global car scene, the global motorcycle scene. Um, it's not a whole lot different, yeah. uh, anywhere in, and certainly in any part of the developed world, or even in, if you look at the, the motorcycle culture that comes out of, um, different parts of, of Southeast Asia, out of Malaysia and, and Thailand and, um, the consumptive culture around like customizing motorcycles and the fact that, you know, they, there's a, there's a huge motorcycle racing venue, formula one venue in Malaysia, um, that's that same that's that same thing that's a for pro racing is all about consumption anyway yeah um you look at formula one and there's what 23 how many cars are on the grid 24 22 no 20 20 22 yeah it's so there's many. 22 dudes who get to race yeah look at the consumption associated with 22 dudes getting to race when well, I think the, the whole activity is consumptive. It's not even about racing anymore. Well, I think uh, I wouldn't say it's about racing, but it's racing is like the it's, it is the path to 
make and spend money. Yeah. That is the, the language to convey the same message as anywhere else. Because it is now, I, I think I, I don't want to let us run away with this. Like, I think the argument is racing is expensive. Not everybody can afford to go racing, which is certainly true. And so in order to have racing, you need to have sponsors or you need to have money at least. Like you need to be self-sponsored or you need to have sponsors. That's true. I mean, the, the, some amount of money has to pay for playing anything. Yeah. And so the farther up you go, typically, um, you know, the more the more expensive it is to go racing, entry fees go up. Uh, car development goes up, uh, you know, the manufacturing, like, I mean, F1 teams are virtually manufacturing facilities. Um, they are, they have to be by definition. Yeah. Now some of them again, purchase parts from other teams, uh, to kind of offload that, uh, development and manufacturing process, but then they, they pay for it. And essentially help fund other F1 teams by purchasing parts from them. Right. Um, and in Moto, MotoGP is the same. Each each manufacturer, like they're required to be prototype motorcycles manufactured, you know, exclusively for this. They can't have a, a relation to production motorcycles yeah. by the rules. If they think they're too related to production motorcycles, they'll they'll ban something. So they have to be. So is that then almost the more pure form of motorsports and capitalism then is, or kind of getting away from capitalism almost is like you have these bikes and these cars that are manufactured to the point where they virtually resemble nothing else that can be purchased or is available publicly. And so the path to sell you something parts wise is much more difficult. And so the things that um, sponsor these one-off prototype cars are ideas, they're fuels, they're oil, that's, you know, all these things that they, they have to relate what they're doing to you, even though the car resembles nothing like anything you're ever going to get to sit in. Yeah. I mean, you're, you are selling an idea, right? You know, Mercedes formula one sells Mercedes cars to people based on the idea that we, we did this something. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a myth of Mercedes, right? There's a Mercedes or Ferrari or whatever is, is there. They have, they have expertise. They have brilliance. They have speed. Obviously not everybody who buys a Mercedes to drive their kids to school is aware of formula one, but some people are. So did you feel like you were driving a F1 car when you had the AMG minivan? No, I did feel like I was driving um, a sports GT car, though, because that, that motor was developed specifically by AMG to go racing. And then they got, you know, had a mandate to go, cool, if we're going to build it, you guys have to put it in everything, yeah. like everything. And then, and then so charge $55,000 for a rebuild. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing is you could still buy crate motors, right? So that that motor, essentially, that long block, that physical motor with all the sensors on it went in 
everything that they put the M156 in. It was the same motor. And then for racing purposes, the whole, the very little of it was changed. Um, the induction was changed and some things like that, but the rotating assembly was, to my understanding, essentially unchanged. So am I that guy who went, dude, I've got a race car in my minivan? My, my minivan is a race car? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I was sucked in by that. Yeah. And so I think one thing that, and this this feels like old, like get off my lawn kind of stuff, so apologies in advance. Whenever anybody says, you know, this is my car build, I built this car. Build threads. There's, first of all, build threads on forums are becoming more and more rare. I know, it makes um, me sad. But many of them, many of them is simply researching what part to buy, buying the part, and putting it on the car. Dude, that's your whole race car. Yes. <laughs> It is now, now, now. Part of it again for me is like I don't, I don't say like I built my car. I can say I put it together. Right. But it's like there was no building here. <laughs> like this, this car. Like part of the reason I bought the Miata, and I've been pretty vocal about this, is because it is a Lego. Right. Anybody who has a Miata or even a Subaru for that matter, or any Honda, like it's it's a Lego. You you can piece you can take different parts and piece it together and it just works right and i just i i guess it's more the way it can be it can come across it's it is this hey look what i did i turned some bolts like i i don't want to like i i guess i just i don't like the idea of people selling the idea that they did anything special beyond what you or I could do. Yeah, but that's because we downplay. Do you do you remember when the idea that you were going to take apart struts was like sort of wild, right? Like you were going to, if you needed to put new shocks on something that had struts, you needed to like take the struts apart. Sure. And, and change the top hats and change the springs and put this together. And and there's a point in your mechanical career where that's like outside the bounds of what you can do. Yeah, you got to rent a spring compressor. We got to know how to start that, right? Like it's that's just thing. we're not even talking motor swaps or or you know any of the actual stuff that, that's difficult. There's there's a point where you're 16 or 17 or 30 and you haven't done this stuff where you watch people do these things and it is impressive because it's outside your your area of expertise and then you you go play with these things and and all of a sudden it's not a big deal to drop the transmission on your Miata and play with stuff it's just what you have to do to play this game or or you drop the motor out of the bottom of your minivan because like it's just it's it was something put assembled by men and so it can be disassembled and fixed by men um yeah i i, I guess and you're you're helping me to refine this so that's good it's i I don't like the idea that seems to come across that because I bought this part and put it on a car, that's what makes me special. Yeah. But that I have acquired this knowledge through the help of other people and I can 
show you that I can share what I've experienced and tips and tricks and things like that. Um, and then the next level is like fabricating is like cutting things off of your car, right? Welding things on. That's kind of the next level beyond that. But even that, like there's, yeah, but, but you're only impressed by it because you don't do it. I do. I, I'm not when a good talk, fabricator. <laughs> when we talked to Chris Nonak, he was like, yeah, whatever. You just like uh, cut the shock towers out, build the thing, weld them back in. It's not a big deal Yeah, because he, you get to the point where it's like, it's just the next thing that you do. Right. Um, but that, but that's the difference for me between like saying you built a car because you bought a part and put it on versus like actually having to come up with the idea and execute the idea with things that you have. What do you think about the guys who post pictures of uh, a shop putting their car together? I... Without being derogatory and scaring people away, especially because we have friends who own shops who make a bunch of money based on their skill set and pleasing the ego of customers. I don't. I don't think there's any. I think there's some masquerading that can, has and can happen. It's like, hey, look what I'm doing, and you know their cars on somebody else's lift with somebody else doing the work. I mean, there's certainly that out there, but I mean. Race prep and fabrication shops exist for a reason. It's because fabricating well is hard. Having the time and tools and materials to make, like truly make something is hard. You need space. You need fairly specialized tools for some of this. And you just need time, which to be honest, like a lot of people don't have some combination of that. I don't. I mean, every time somebody asks me to like come see my shop, I'm like, sure, I'll I'll show you my garage, and you know we can walk into my kitchen right afterwards, and <laughs> you know we'll sit down and have a conversation. But yeah, I don't know. It's like race press prep shops are impressive, right? Impressive, right? Because not only are they, um you know, putting on parts that they have purchased, that they are actually making things. They're actually aligning a car based on their experience. They are sharing their breadth of knowledge and experience and putting it into practice for your car in exchange for money. Yes. So so along those lines, along the whole consumptive lines, the the idea that I think even amateur racing exists to in or how we do amateur racing exists to uh increase the consumption of crap that we probably don't need anyway um Not, for yeah. instance race cars on maslow's hierarchy of needs is like nowhere to be found just, yeah just but, so we're clear. <laughs> but certainly there are people who sponsor cars in an effort to get what they're doing recognized such that people who don't race cars at all can spend money on those things. Like how many K-swapped Miatas are racing versus how many K-swapped Miatas are driving around? 
power would know more than I do, but I see almost just as many driving around as are on a racetrack. Right. And and through time, I would say you're going to get more driving around. Like the, the market for people who drive cars is bigger than the market for people who race cars. And I think racing right now exists as a giant advertisement to sell stuff to people who like cars and it's this giant circular consumption thing where we have to make people want the next thing and i think we're as guilty as anybody else as racers we're as guilty as anybody else for for creating that want creating a want where the the want wouldn't necessarily exist not that people aren't going to spend their money anyway true um but um you have to get you have to get eyeballs on things, and and we get eyeballs on things by racing cars, and by doing by doing build we don't do build threads anymore, build threads. but build build sequences on you know Facebook and, and Instagram. You know, new Instagram post. I see how the the build is going, and the, those builds are like this part to this part, this part, and we're not. Sometimes we're selling those parts to racers. Like there's there's some things that are pure race parts, and those have to go to racers. But a lot of that is is selling parts or a name or something else to people. I was going to say name recognition. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that, and that could be a strong part of why we see so many quote unquote build threads. Um, I'd rather call them like development threads or, you know, putting your car together threads or whatever you want to say. Right. Um, Is for name recognition, an attempt to get a sponsorship or partnership or a response to help that you have received from a company. Because again, like putting a car together with parts that you got is expensive. And getting help for that, for something you want to do, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, as long as you go into it with eyes wide open. Because yes, you get something, but you have to give something. It is a two-way street. You know, it is never a net positive. And if it is like you are doing way better than most people. If somebody's giving you something for free, you are the product. That's well put. And, and you needed to create that value that they would have otherwise gotten by selling that piece. That's uh, something always to think about. You have You have become the product for the person that gave you that part. Um, and, and you have to decide if you, if you're capable of, of creating that value for them. And if you want to, um, do you really want to be the product for the people that are doing that? Um, I've certainly, I don't want to say I've turned things down, but I've had people ask me things and I'm like, that's just not a relationship I want to be in where I feel like I have to create value for you because of this thing. Sure. Um, I get it. And the to to zoom out just a little bit, the whole notion of capitalism is the exchange of goods and services. And the idea almost implicitly behind capitalism is a bit of a spiral that either gets smaller or bigger depending on how you want to look at it but the idea behind capitalism is growth constant constant growth 
And in racing, you know, it can start out with, you know, your HPDE, but then you go faster, you bolt some parts on, you start to learn about alignments, you start to go racing, you, uh, competitive racing, I should say, you get, you know, your safety you just, equipment. You just dissed the autocrossers there so hard. They, they're competitive. They can be competitive. <laughs> um, you, you know, and then at some point, like, you have to get a tow rig and a trailer. At some point, you've got to get, you know, the latest generator or, um, you know, stop tent camping, you know, that you're going to start renting houses. Um, it's just... It's just constant, more, more, more. There's always something more to spend your money on in racing. And really, again, anything else. And at some point, you have to put boundaries up or get off the ride. Otherwise, you just keep either going down the spiral or you just, you know, and or just spend more money all the time. Racing is a black hole it will literally take anything you give it until you put up again until you put up boundaries or if you just stop and you put your time and money and attention elsewhere it doesn't have to be racing but it has to be something i don't know if i've said that out loud before I had a good friend of mine who was talking about hobbies and we were like, why are you doing that? And he goes, well, it doesn't have to be this, but it has to be something. I have to be obsessed about something because otherwise I'm uh, like, I'm just, I'm bored out of my mind. I have to be like you with researching parts, right? You have to be looking for the next thing. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Maybe, maybe. Also because I'm running out of things to buy if we're being for being totally frank. Yeah, because then you start buying vans and trailers. Oh, God. Things. Yeah. But that, again, that was the exchange I made to not having to find a way to get myself and Becky home and transport a broken race car home. (laughs) All because you wanted to make your race car go faster. I think that's a byproduct. I can't say that's not an attractive option. Um, I mean, we could have kept doing it, especially with these new rules. Like, I'm going to have to find a way to add weight to where we currently are, which is, like, contradictory to my very nature. Adding weight to a race car just seems absurd to me, but, you know, it's I get it. I get it. Take out power. Too much power. Take out your power. <laughs> I laugh. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the I, I think the whole notion of capitalism, buying, selling, marketing, all this all this stuff to I think the next layer down is we do this because of who we think we are and who we want to be. It's kind of an aspirational things. Is we earn money and spend money to help us become who we are and this i think is part of what american marketing does so well is very very little anymore especially with the major brands are they actually selling like coke doesn't sell you coke anymore um porsche 
doesn't want to sell you a car. They want to sell you, you know, it. it's cliche. They want to sell you a lifestyle, but it's more than that. They want to sell you who you want to become. You can always be happier. You can always be more fulfilled. You can always have more joy. Um, you can always have fewer troubles. These are the things that these companies are starting to sell you. And it's not like it's it's truly not about the product anymore, but it is about who they believe their customer base wants to become, how they see themselves, which we've talked in a previous past, usually is a lie, but it's who you want to become, not who you are. And that gets, and that's where the dishonesty to me really starts to creep in with advertising marketing and the idea of capitalism. So are we selling the idea of being a race car driver? No. We are selling the idea that speed is victory. Victory, I'm I'm totally freestyling this. Victory is admiration and admiration and praise is where you want to be because that's not who you are now. And we get that through becoming a race car driver. Right. The the whole the whole notion underneath all of this still is that you are not complete. Is you are lacking something and by purchasing, by earning money, by working, earning money and spending money, you are fulfilling those bits of you that are lacking are subpar or missing. I'm going to drop the mic and walk away now because I'm really proud no, of myself. I, no, this, this, this goes, I mean, this, this really ties into a whole bunch of like the, the fashion industry and stuff and the idea yeah. that, that, you know, most of the time when women are dressing up for work, especially because there's been a bunch I of I didn't want to record tonight and this is what we're I know. coming up with. It's fantastic. So when, when people dress up for work, especially women dress up for work, they're not dressing so that the men at work notice them because they don't. They're dressing because the other women at work notice them. Hmm. Um, and they have a certain certain person that they want to be in the eyes of the other women at work. And I, I think I think dudes do that too. Yeah, but I think that's but we do it I think that's what we're doing in racing. The reason okay. we build our cars the way we do has more to do about the with people perceiving us as as real racers. Yes. Um because we and, are not currently Right. And we want to be like those people that we think are better, more fulfilled, happier, more joyful people than we are because they have these traits or they at least present that they have these traits and that these are the things they're wearing. These are the things that they're using. These are the cars that they're driving. And so if we become more like them in appearance that we can have those values, that we can be more human than we feel we are now. And I think that's one of the major downfalls of 
again, marketing in general is like nobody wants to spend money on something that won't make them better or happier or more fulfilled. I mean, that's, that's ice cream. Like I, nobody needs ice cream, but you want ice cream because it makes you happy because ice cream is amazing. Ice cream is amazing. But does it work? Like does, does you, you getting a new race suit that matches your car, does that work? And this, this is because if it works, it because if it works, then it's legitimate, right? Then it's cool that, that that was value. But this is the never fulfilled prophecy that keeps people coming back. This is that cycle I was telling you about because it works for a moment, and you get the taste, and you're like, "Man, I feel cool in my new suit." And when I got my new suit, I felt cool. When I got my new um, flame retardant underwear, I'm like. I didn't have these before. This makes me more look more more legit now. Now they're just sweaty and they smell really bad. So what else can I do that gives me that hit? Because all it is is a hit. It's momentary. It's not lasting. Can we can we take advantage of that knowledge in some way? Can we go, okay, I need this. How can I how can I do this in a way that is most efficient and doesn't like disrupt my kid's ability to go to college someday and, and those <laughs> right. sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of talked a little bit about it in the um, love to lose episode. It's, you know, the ends don't justify the means like the means are the end. Right. And I do not mean that in spending money, we are fulfilled. I just mean the constant desire to better ourselves is the thing itself. Like the betterment is the better. So to say say this another way, like if you're trying to get from point A to point B, like you never get to point B. But in trying to get there, that is the thing in in and of itself. Like point B doesn't exist. Point B is moving away from point A towards where you think you should go. You know, the journey and you know right. the destination thing. In, in full disclosure, I think I think I've accomplished this with by moving away from cars to motorcycles, because I look at car guys and I'm like, you've got four wheels in a cage. <laughs> So safe. And, um, <laughs> like I have I have been driving to to motorcycle events. Yeah. I'm in my Accord, yeah. one lap stickers on it. Yeah. And I got like three race bikes your, on the trailer behind paint, me. Your paint has to be destroyed by this point, by the way. It is, well it was your I tried to take your sticker off the nose of my car, not because I didn't like your sticker, but I didn't like it on the nose. I get and it. that's the first one that started to peel the paint off, and I just stuck it back down and I haven't taken anything off. Yep. All the paint is gonna come off my car when I take the stickers yes. off. Yes. So so I'm driving down the road. So you need Accord. more stickers is what you need. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I got one lap stickers on my car. I got th- I, have, I have what are are definitely race bikes on the back, and some dude will drive by me, even in like like uh, going to a PCA event to a track out there, and it'll be like in a nine eleven with a number on the side, and I'm like, you think in in you know how awesome you feel like driving through normal traffic in a car with like numbers on it, right? Yes. You're like commoners. You drive. You have a common people car, and I'm going to go do race stuff with my race car. Well, how and this and this is something like we're 
decisively losing um, this next season by trailering the car is like we don't get to drive it on the street and have everybody like look at us and like taking pictures and videos because driving a race car on the street is cool. It is. It is like decisively cool. I've we've had people like try to race us on the highway, which we're not going to do. One because it's unsafe, and two because we're towing a freaking trailer, and we only have a two hundred horsepower in a Miata. Like we're not going to blow anyone's hair back. But it's like it's it's cool. I still have people do it to me with the Accord all the time, and I'm like, it is a stock four cylinder Accord. Leave me alone. Um, but. If you tow a trailer full of race bikes and some dude in a 911 with, with stickers passes you, he, I like to feel this anyway. That guy looks at me with envy because I'm going to race bikes, which is something he doesn't dare to do. He has to keep himself safe inside a car. And if he was a bit cooler and a bit braver and a bit more awesome, he would actually be out there with me. Or on a big track with big bikes because big bike guys look at me and they're like, you're racing an eight horsepower children's bike. What's wrong with you? But that's okay. I just have to be cooler than some people, not cooler than everybody. Yep. It's it's all in how you justify it. Yeah. And and I feel like, and, and that has been, a, has been a conscious, like I've realized that I can get that same hit of, and I won't call it superiority, but but like that ego hit that that I feel like the good version of me who is racing motorcycles in a way that does. And my, my wife would argue that it, it actually doesn't cost less when you have 14 motorcycles in your garage and you've been buying motorcycles constantly over the past three years or two and go-karts she, or and, two go-karts. I, don't, two. I didn't, I didn't actually pay for those. Somebody else owns those, but they're in my garage, whatever. It's a, it's a long story. I'll I tell need, you. Some I need time. the people, you know, in my life, why? Yeah, but I also have several motorcycles that I've paid multiple thousands of dollars for. They're living in his garage. So, uh, whatever. Okay. Um, okay. It's a we have a strange relationship. I see Very that. strange relationship, and and so, but at least it's not a seventy thousand dollar Cadillac that's costing me, you know, twelve hundred dollars a weekend to go track. Um. So arguably, the motorcycles are cheaper. And I, I still get the same level of guess who's awesome. Um, like today I was at the eye doctor and he said, have you had any surgeries in the last two years? And I'm like, you know, just, you know, this plate in my collarbone from when I broke in motorcycle racing. Cool story though. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the whole joke. Like, you know how, you know, somebody races motorcycles, right? Cause they, they give, tell you about give, it. Give them 30 seconds. They'll tell you. Yeah. Well, yeah. You do that with race cars too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of like, there's gotta be a way to, to consciously short circuit this consumptive dopamine hit thing that we're all, that we were all swimming in last week. Cause I'm sure if I put out on track walking chats, like what black Friday car deals did you get? Like how did that consumptive dopamine yeah. race car hit thing? Do you, like get into your life last week jokes, it happened jokes jokes on you i already got some so <laughs> yeah and you think you're immune from uh oh no from I, more oh no <laughs> i think i started this podcast off very clearly 
<laughs> that you're going to do more. You'll always do more. Yeah, I, I think I think the trick is realizing the guru, the teacher, the the person that you idolize is a false prophet. They're a fraud. Um, not certainly if they idolize either of us. Yes, no, that's fair. But like, not not to themselves, but to you. Like the person that you idolize with the YouTube channel or the Instagram account or whatever, they're not better than you. They don't have something you don't fundamentally. The values, like they're they're not more of a whole healthy human being than you are. They're just appear that way. That's I mean that's if somebody is trying to make themselves look more whole than they really are, they're trying to sell you something. You know, this is like argument class 101. Yeah. Well, and and that buying more cool shit in the off season isn't going to make next season better somehow. No. No. And and it's like we we say this firmly like with the notion that it's like I have products and friends who sell products. I'm super proud of them. Like the time and the work that have gone into what they sell is impressive. And I support them by purchasing <laughs> said parts. Um, and like I'd shout them from the rooftops. Um, but I, I try to demystify the purchase by purchasing this data acquisition by purchasing these race pads, by purchasing these tires, by this motor swap, what, whatever, whatever it is, it's not going to make your notion that I'm not good enough. It's not going to make that better. And that's, that's what I think I would want to get across more than anything. Yes. What the, the, the shit that you bought last Friday yeah. It's not going to make you a better racer. It might make your car faster. It might make your finishing sure. place higher. It's not going to make yeah. the season better. So enjoy it for a reason other than that that ego boost. Um, I think enjoying engineering for the sake of engineering is fine. Um, I've looked at race car parts and thought those are cool just because... Yeah. like They're just neat. The same way that you walk into an art gallery and you look at a painting and you're like, damn that's like that's good i just saw a a video of i don't know how many axis whatever quadrillion axis cnc machine was like milling a turbo impeller from like a solid chunk of like i don't know freaking aluminum or whatever it's made out of titanium maybe and it's like just objectively gorgeous it's just art gorgeous to watch i mean it's and i know it's like zeros and ones and that to me like takes nothing away from it but like by purchasing said titanium turbo impeller that's not going to make you a kinder more compassionate human being no again may 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 get you some instagram likes may get you some uh some feel goods for a moment yeah. So enjoy enjoy it for what it is and nothing more. Right. 
Right. And then and and I think I think that's okay. Buying a new wing or do what you is, want. I'm not sure. Do what you want. But but I think like there's no problem with buying a new wing because it creates more downforce and it's beautiful. Sure. Um but I think buying a new wing to post on Instagram that you've got a new wing is different. I don't choices were made. Yeah, choices were made and and I think we should buy less crap and race cars more. Yeah. And I don't I don't really know how to do that without yeah, going back either. to showroom stock and and having Adam write us a rule set that says no you have to bolt in cages over top of the carpet and the car has to run with a radio in it. And I'm going to test that by sitting in it, making sure the AC blows cold and making sure your radio works. And only when those things happen, will I let you go on track? Although I really like the idea of that class. That's fair. That's why I get so hyped in the beginner group. Whenever like a Ford fusion shows up, that's so awesome. (laughs) And just like (laughs) it's tired. I mean, stock wheels, like, it really meant tires and like decent fluid and okay brake pads. And it's like, that's, that's good. Yeah. Like, I, let's I go drive. Let's go drive. Let's do that thing. Makes me happy. We are at track walking podcasts on Instagram and Facebook track walking chats on Facebook is the group. Um, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> Hope you didn't buy too much crap that you're sad about. Yeah, don't put yourself in debt. Oh, maybe you did. I mean, this is gonna come out after the fact. Maybe you're <laughs> you're mourning your uh, trip trip to fan trip yeah trip to fan induced spending spree. Um, but yeah, hope you guys are doing well, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, you know more stuff interview next week actually. Yeah, pretty cool one. So for the two of us here, I'm Scott, and I'm Seth. This is Track Walking. We'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving.